Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com covered. Our next guest, Martha Atkins, is up. I want you to hear a little bit from her TED Talk that garnered so much attention and is the reason I asked her on today. When I meet people at parties for the first time, think how much fun that is. What do you do for a living? <laughs> Me and the sex girl and the bacteria guy can all go together to the party. <laughs> so we, I, I meet them, and this, is, this, this happens. It is... Gosh, that's really nice. I'm going to go get a drink. And I never see them again. Or something happens like happened at lunch today. Let me tell you a story. I've been scared to tell anybody because I didn't want anybody to think I was crazy. And I say, my goodness, I want to hear your story. Please tell me your story. It's these stories, yours and mine, that are going to bring comfort and hope and calm as we help the ones we love leave this world and as it is our own time to go. So if you have had a deathbed vision experience, a witness experience with somebody you love, would you raise your hand? Okay. I would like for you in the next 48 hours to tell somebody about that. The more we tell our stories, the more we're gonna eradicate this fear. And it's really important. That's a little bit from a TED Talk. I watched the entire thing. I was so moved and really impressed by our next guest, Dr. Martha Atkins, who was the founder and chief executive officer of something called Atkinosity, where she works with individuals who are dying and the families who love them. Dr. Atkins says that her work in the world is to help people be less afraid of death and dying. Dr. Martha Atkins, welcome to the Lisa Wexer Show today. Hello. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me. I'm so delighted to have you. Tell me, I'm using the word doctor. Are you a medical doctor? I'm not a medical doctor. I have a PhD in counselor education. Okay, wonderful. Um, I would like you to call me Lisa. May I call you Martha for this interview? Would that be all right? Please, 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 please do. You're very uh, warm and approachable person, at least in your TED Talk. So, So, Martha, tell us a little bit about what your work is on a day-to-day basis, not speaking about it, but the doing of it. How do you work with the dying? The doing of it. So 
Um, most recently, I was with a woman named Glee, and I spent about four months with her. I spent about two years with her, but I spent four months of the last part of her life. And it was day-to-day talking about the changes in her body, um, feeling into her pain, and going to the edges of it, going to the sides of it, um, letting her make meaning of it however she needed to make meaning of it. And this is what I mean by that. Some people, it's the pain of the cancer. Some people, it's a pain that happened earlier, earlier in their life, and they feel like that's part of what's happening for them. Um, there's a lot of conversation about family and what the person is leaving behind. Mm -hmm. And we talk about that, how they've, um, what good they've done and how they've helped people a a little bit about what hasn't gone right. But I really try to move people towards what has gone right and um, help them have an experience that is as, meaningful and peaceful as it can be. So Martha Atkins, 203-333-9422 is our number. So Martha, help me, help me understand one of the th- one of the things I thought was so illuminating about your talk is you do talk about the fact that so many people have had near death experiences and there do seem to be some universal accounts of them or relatively universal accounts of them. Uh, and that if we believe those accounts, it should do much to eliminate or at least diminish our fear of dying. So I, this is that meaning-making part. We get to decide what we believe. There, um, so I, I work with deathbed visions, which are a little bit different than near-death experiences. Okay. So the, the, the near-death experiences are people who leave their bodies in the white light, um, often, and they have people that come and see them, and they tell them to come back in their bodies. People who are dying have those sometimes. Um, lots of times, f- for the people that I work with, I get with them a little bit later, and they're not um, so communicative anymore. So if I'm at the bedside with my family member, and my family member reaches up their arm towards something, um, I can either pull their arm down and tell them they're being dumb or tell them not to put their arm up, or I can um, ask them what they're reaching for. And sometimes they'll be able to tell me and sometimes they won't. You mean sometimes the dying person? Some... You mean the yes, dying yes, person yes, yes. seems to be reaching for something? Okay, let me hear about yes. this. Yeah? Yes. So, or they see somebody at the end of their bed, mm-hmm. or they see an angel. Yep. And, and just like somebody who's got dementia, there's, there used to be, we got to orient them to place and time, and we know now that that's not the best thing to do. If somebody is in a dementia state and they're um, back in 1942, we're not going to try to bring them back to 2022. So when somebody's dying, if they see somebody at the end of their bed, I'm not going to say, You're, you don't see anybody there. Nobody else can see anybody there. I'm going to say, who do you see? What do you see? Um, and oftentimes they'll describe um, – Describe the person, um, sometimes not be able to say the name, say they don't uh, don't recognize them, but they look familiar. That's something that happens often. And what I have noticed as I've worked with people is there's this trajectory of experience that happens. So early on, people will see um, 
I, I call them friendlies, and I do that on purpose. So friendlies are people that the, the person doesn't recognize. And then a little bit later, they'll start to recognize people, family members. And then a little bit later, if they had a good relationship with a um, caregiver, they'll often see that caregiver like a, a parent or grandparent. If they didn't have a good relationship with that person, um, somebody else will show up to help them along. And uh, lots of times the person is able to to explain all that and say that. Sometimes they can't. I do have mm. people that come to me and say, Never, my person didn't do any of those things. And I, I'm, I'm, I, I get it. I'm sorry. I didn't. Sorry, you didn't see those things. I, um, I, um, I make up that I can see things when somebody is in, at end of life that probably other people can't. Hospice people who are in the job all the time will see things that other family members don't see because really? they don't recognize everything that's happening. I see. So, so here's an here's an analogy. In Hawaii, the um, indigenous people used to be able to read the water. They could put their hands in the water. They could look at the water and they could know when the tides were changing. And the rest of us just look at the water and go, God, it's a really pretty day. So for hospice really? people, people that wow. do death and dying work all the time, yeah. there's a knowing that happens. You, you're around it so much and you recognize when people are moving deeper and deeper into their process. You recognize when they say particular things or start to use particular metaphors that they're, um, they're, they're in their dying experience. We're chatting with Dr. Martha oh. Atkins, 203-333-9422. I've witnessed two people in my life dying. One was my yes. grandmother, my own grandmother, and it was a very brief witness. People didn't expect her to die. Um, it was very interesting. In, in, in the cases of my grandmother and the cases of my husband's grandmothers, I very firmly believe they chose exactly when they wanted to die. They were women... Yeah. Well into their 90s, they were not particularly sickly. They waited until their entire family was together for a holiday and an occasion. And in in both these instances, afterwards, they took to bed and died. I'm serious. Isn't it brilliant? It's incredible, actually. Yes. Totally incredible. It is. So with my grandma, Syl, she she was in a hospital bed, and all of us were in Florida around New Year's for the Christmas holiday, and we were all there, all the grandchildren, her daughters, everybody was there. And I visited her that day in the hospital, and her two daughters were with her in the hospital, and she told them to go to the cafeteria, and she decided to mm-hmm. die while her younger daughter couldn't see her die because she knew that that would freak out her younger daughter. But I, as yes. her granddaughter, had seen her earlier in the day, Martha, and she had yes. which, which she did something which I later recognized as death throes. She waved her hands a lot. She flailed around a lot. Do you know what I'm talking about? Her body sort of, her body sort of spasmed. And I remember distinctly thinking that, um, and it wasn't an eagle or anything crazy like that, a bird, but I just remember my, in my greater perception, thinking the window was open and something's flying by. Don't ask me why I thought that, but that's what I was thinking. I love that. Anyway, she, and, and so her hands were, were flailing and she wasn't particularly conscious. In other words, she wasn't really communicating, but she was definitely dying. And nobody really recognized that. At the time, I didn't know what I was looking at. I left. As I said, my aunt and my mother went to the cafeteria because she sort of, at that point, waved them to go eat. And that's when she died. And that's, yeah. that's when she died. 
But the other experience I wanted to tell you, which chatting with Dr. Martha Atkins, was much more prolonged. My sister, Jill Zarin, had a, a beloved husband, Bobby, and he had a, a cancer that eventually lodged in his brain, you know, just was one of these ugly yeah. growing cancers. And in, yeah. his la- and in his last week of, de- of life, his last week of life in the hospital with all of us keeping vigil 24-7 and Jill knitting a blanket for him, and it was unbelievable. At the beginning of the week, Martha, he not only never wanted to die, this I believe, because he comes back all the time and talks to us. He didn't want to go. He didn't think it was time. He was angry. But yeah. he saw his mother, and he yeah. didn't like his mother. And he was afraid to be with his mother and watching him, watching him not want to be with his mother was really, I'll never forget it, Martha, in my life. And he didn't, he kept talking. I did not want to go be with his mother. And then at the end of the week, his grandmother came. I think he called her Babka or Baba, something like that. And he started talking to her. And his whole body posture relaxed and changed, yeah. and he was ready yeah. to go. Yes. She was the one. He was she waiting was... for Babka. Yeah. Oh, so beautiful. So beautiful. So for us, when it's our time to go, this tells me, because I'm with you, I, I, there is a measure of control that people have. I've seen it over and over and over. There are beings, visions, our inner internal psyche. I don't know what it is that makes that happen, but there's something that happens that brings um, these visions to us to help us go. And it's just a miraculous thing. And I love it so much. And I love to hear the stories. Should we be afraid to die, Martha? <sighs> Boy, that's a hard question. I don't, I, the, the, the death part <laughs> I think the death part, not so much. Dying can be hard. Mm. And this is one of the things we need to talk with our families about and why we need to talk about it, because we need to tell people what we want. We need to have very specific conversations about whether you want to be on life support someday or whether you want to be kept alive and um, whether you want your family member to fight if if somebody says you want to need to go on hospice. Um, I it, it's really important to have those conversations, and, and it's specific family members. Some family members are not going to be able to um, do what you need. So you need to pick the people, family members or not, who really can stand toe-to-toe and let people know what you need and that you've, you they've been told so that you can have the, the kind of end-of-life experience you want to have. Martha, I want to continue. I want to talk about what our choices are in terms of end-of-life experiences. Will you stay with us? We're doing live radio. We need to take some commercials and come right back. Will that be okay? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, Martha, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. So let's get into some of our choices as we're dying. We get a terminal illness diagnosis, um, and maybe it depends what that diagnosis is. What if it's something horrid that we know will be neuro neurodegeneratively horrible, like ALS or something like that. What are our choices along the way? Do we have any? Well, some people choose to have as much treatment for as long as they can, regardless of what anybody says. And I I have no, um, uh, people can do what they want. Um, it, it, it really matters about 
what what's happening in their life. Um, over and over again, I see um, parents who get really difficult diagnoses, and they're told to go home and get on hospice, and they say no because they want to stay alive for their children, and they want to be around a little bit longer. And I love that for them, and I love that for their kids. There are other people who get those diagnoses, and um, they're tired, and they go ahead and go on to hospice. There are other people um, in the U.S. There's 12, I think it's 12 states right now, where there is an opportunity to um, have an end-of-life experience that is your choice at your time. So some people decide to stop eating. They, they don't want to live any longer, so they make a decision to stop eating. Um, and in some states, you can take a cocktail um, with a number of physicians. Um, Washington, I think it's three physicians you have to have that sign off that say that you have a terminal illness and you can take a cocktail and that will end your life. And have that you is seen becoming, people do that? Have you, have you seen have not, people actually? I, I've, you have not. I, I have not. No, that I have not been part of that yet. There's a great mm. documentary on uh, Netflix. I'll have to find the name of it. That has a really beautiful man, and I appreciate that he he shared his experience. He and his whole family, and they uh, he took a cocktail. His wife was with him, and I love that they they were willing to share that because for some people they'll see that and they're saying no, there's no way in the world I would ever do that, and other people would say. Yeah, and it seems like he did have an ALS diagnosis, and he didn't want to um, be a burden. That is often what I hear. I don't want to be a burden to people. Well, I mean, you know what happened with Robin Williams. He hanged himself because he had a diagnosis of Lewy body dementia. Uh, He had already suffered with depression throughout his life, and he didn't want that for him. Lewy body dementia is a one-way street, Martha. It is, and it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Um, it is a tough one. And the world misses Robin Williams, but I guess yes. he felt that this was, this, you know, this is what he wanted to do and the way he wanted to do it. Let's go to the callers. Diane of Milford. Diane, welcome. You're on the air with Dr. Martha Atkins, and we're talking about dying. Go ahead. Hi. Yes, Hi. I was, um, my father passed away about 30 years ago, and the family and I were standing around his bed in the hospital, and he told me, uh, in his way, which he had a little bit of profanity in there, to move away from the window. <laughs> and that has lived with me for 31 years. I think he might have seen, I, I didn't know, I didn't have the the know-all to ask him what he saw. But mm, I think yeah. in my yeah. mind, he saw my mother. And oh, right after yes. that, he passed away. Yes. And he wanted yeah. you to scoot yeah. over so he could see clearly what he needed to see. Yes. Yeah. Brilliant. And with forever. It's it's amazing. Uh, and it, it made me feel better. It Good. made yeah. it a little bit that, easier. Yeah. Did it, did it make it easier great. for you to think about your own death one day, Diane? Uh, it's still a scary, scary mm-hmm. thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, I think the way that I'm going to die is the scariest part. Well, that is, right? I mean, I, yeah. I, thought, I think about that a lot. You know, I'm a probate judge, so I look at death certificates every single day, and I see the myriad different ways that people pass. I mean, last yeah. week alone in my court, somebody passed from renal cancer, somebody passed from blunt force trauma, 
somebody pass. Right. I mean, it's all different ways that people pass. And I was thinking, universally, we all come out through somebody's belly, right? We're all we're all coming right. out. Sometimes we're opened yep. up through the belly. Sometimes we come out through the birth canal. But we're all making that same journey. We're all born from from some woman somewhere in a belly. And yet right. we exit, we all exit in different ways. We're all out of here yeah, in completely all... different ways. Yeah. I always think about that. Most of us most of us are alone when it happens and that's the scary part. Well uh, you know, I, I... that is true. A lot of times so, yeah. but the journey itself Here's... requires us to be alone. It, it's our right, soul, right. Our, our own journey. And speaking of the right. soul, thank you, Diane. Speaking of the soul, Doctor Martha Atkins. What do you think about the soul, the survivability of, of that essence of us after our body passes? Yeah, I don't know. You don't know? I have heard okay. sto- I've heard story after story after story, and they give me hope that there is something. And I see, I, I can be at somebody's bedside and and feel into their body and feel if they're there or not. That sounds really weird, but um, there's there's an awayness that people who are dying sometimes have. It feels like they go away and then they come back. And as they're moving farther and farther into the process, they go farther and farther away mm. and then they come back. I don't know if that's soul. I don't know if that's biological. Maybe it's all of it, but it's really fun to think about. It's really fun to think about. And I want to say about Diane's comment, we die alone. I don't know if that's true either. If we, if, if her dad was seeing somebody out the window, even though they, they, they were in the room, he was seeing somebody, and if they hadn't been there, he wouldn't have been alone. There's some, there's some something, whether it's our brain or it's spirit or something, that comes to help us go. Randy from Milford as well. Randy, you're on the air with Dr. Martha Atkins. Hello and good morning. Hi, Lisa. How's it going? Great. What's your comment or question for Martha? Uh, well, I guess it's more uh, of, of uh, to let you know. That movie documentary you guys are talking about uh, was Waiting to Die. Yes. Thank you. Well, it was absolutely an amazing movie. I mean, it didn't really change my thoughts on it. I, mean, I just think it's a personal decision. and I mean, it's good, I guess, that physicians are involved, but I'm curious what you guys think, because a lot of people who advocate for, uh, I don't know what to call it, <laughs> for what we're talking about, um, say that it should be part of the Tenth Amendment. In other words, that people should have a right, a right to, to decide die. about dying. In other words, a human euthanasia kind of thing. Is that what you mean, Randy? Yeah. Uh, essentially, and yeah. as a libertarian, I don't really see why government should have much to that unless of course somebody is like you know uh has like a mental illness or something that drives them to suicide which is of course bad but in the case of terminal illnesses i don't see any reason why uh anybody shouldn't make that choice and you know what should the government the government isn't impacted by its immediate family and such Mm, that's a good point randy what do you think martha yeah, it's changing. You know, it, it, there are more states that are open to that, and there are more states that have committees that are working to make this um, uh, possible for people to have the choice. Um, uh, physicians have a really hard – the physicians I've talked to, it, um, their job is to save people, and this doesn't doesn't That's quite right. jive with what, 
what they yeah. what they signed up for. So it's mm-hmm. a it's a difficult conversation for them that trickles down to us. Um, but it's it's becoming more prevalent. Uh, let me ask you something, uh, Martha Atkins. Do you think? I mean, do you make moral judgments about people in terms of making a decision about when and how to die? No, heavens, no. You it's, do not. Okay. It's, it's their it's their decision to do what they want to do with their body. I mean, I mm. I don't I don't have any I don't have a horse in that race. And and how do you when family members ask you, is this the end? And how do I know? Are they really dying? What do you look at? How do you answer that question? So um, you look at the trend of what's been happening over the weeks before and um, what's changing and how much they're eating and then that they're not eating and then that they're not drinking and they're not able to communicate any longer and not 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 talk. They're communicating, but they're not talking. Um, it's it's erroneous of us to think that we can look at somebody and know when they're going to die, um, except at the very last few moments. There's some things that happen with the body, but um, I, I hear often and used to myself look at somebody and go, yeah, they'll they'll probably be dead in 24 hours, and it's we we just don't know. People like you were saying about your your grandmother, there's mm-hmm. control there, mm-hmm. and. Um, people then, my, my friend Glee, um, was asleep, uh, three or four or five days and then came back for several weeks and then did the same thing and then did the same thing. And yeah. And it's exhausting for the people around. Yes. Um, you want to be supportive and you're ready for them to go. And people feel guilty about that. And I, I will, (laughs) I'll just throw that out because it, it is a common, common, common experience. Dorothy from Fairfield, this is our last call. Dorothy, hi, you're on the air with Martha Atkins. Hi, thank you for taking the call. Um, I believe that we are not alone, and I had a grandmother who died with a smile on her face, and I experienced where um, my father had been like asleep, and then he knew, he opened his eyes, one tear came down, we were saying the rosary, and he used to say that now and at the hour of our death, it was it was really surreal, and it was peaceful, and he knew we were there. Even though, you know, before that he, like, had been yeah. asleep. I have heard yeah. more things. My own mother, when she passed, they pick who they want to be with, Lisa. Um, and yeah. I, it, it was, like, it's amazing. You I mean, on the other amazing. side, they pick who they're going to be with? Is that what you That's mean, it. Dorothy? On she the had other three side? children, her mm-hmm. son who took care of her and was, you know, she made sure that he wasn't there. God bless her. I see and then my yes. sister, who was the middle yes. child and had not had that time with her mm-hmm. here on earth with her, uh, she was the one she picked. And with I me, see. I had been there in the morning. Okay. And when I arrived just a few minutes after she passed, my sister was crying. I, I hugged her and I said, Mom wanted you to be here, Sue. Oh. And her spirit, Sweet. I am a very spiritual person and God has given me a gift. Her body was empty. The, the soul, the spirit had already. And I know, I looked out the window, there was the heliport the, right at St. Vincent's, and I knew my dad had come to get her. And I know what he said, like, what took you so long? I've been waiting for you. So that's the happy memory. She you, and my father, their spirits going up. Martha, we, and, thank you, Dorothy. Beautiful. Martha, we're going to have to run because the 
bell is going to clock us off, but I want to ask you, I have another question from a listener. Is it true that someone will not die because of an unresolved matter? Have you ever seen that, where people hold on um, to try and resolve things on Earth? I have seen both. I've seen people hold on, and I've seen people uh, hold on because it's not resolved, and then hold on because it's not resolved, but then just let it go. Let it go. Thank you so much for being on the show today. What a pleasure. Thank you. Back with more of the Lisa Wexler show in the next hour. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective scratch resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. Warbyparker.com covered. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com.